This episode of the Craft Sanity Podcast is brought to you by listeners like you who donated $1 a month through Craft Sanity's Patreon page. Learn more at CraftSanity.com. Well, if you couldn't express yourself, how would you de-stress yourself? And if you couldn't make and build and sing and knit and paint and dance and spin, would you go crazy? Well, if you're going crazy... Craft Sanity, Craft Sanity, Art and Craft Creativity, Interviews with people who make, they are here to help keep you sane. Craft Sanity, Craft Sanity, Craft Sanity. Hi, I'm Jennifer Ackerman Haywood and you're listening to the Craft Sanity Podcast, an interview show all about art, craft, and creativity. I am back from vacation and finally getting over the jet lag and podcasting again. I apologize for the length of time it's taken me to get this show up. It's been crazy. I've been staying up very late at night working on projects, and that's good because that means I'm feeling very creative, but it's also bad because the body must sleep. I think if I keep repeating that, maybe I will someday embrace this concept, but I'm not going to get my hopes up because I plan to stay up late tonight too. Terrible. I know. I can't help it. But today, I am really excited to bring you an interview that I recorded recently with a very talented artist who I have been following online for years, and we kind of met up recently on Instagram. I've been posting photos of me sorting through stuff in my basement studio, and I'm trying to really whip it into shape like once and for all and like clear out 39 years worth of relics from my life and keep what is worth keeping and recycle what is worth recycling and you know, donating the other stuff and throwing some stuff in the garbage too. And I am suffering through this process solo and it's, it is terrible. But when I posted a photo on Instagram, this particular artist responded and said, you know, Hey, I would like to get rid of some stuff in my house too. How do you get started? And that's how the show came to be. And I'm so glad because I really wanted to get a chance to talk to my guest. And I'm going to let her introduce herself. I'm Erin Paisley. I'm 34 years old and I live in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I work under the name Erin Paisley. And for those of you who are not familiar with her work, I encourage you to hop over to ErinPaisley.com and check out what she's working on. It's my hope that you, dear listeners, are going to enjoy this conversation as much as I enjoyed having it. But before we get to that, I need to thank my Patreon sponsors. Thank you so much for sticking with me and keeping this podcast going. I appreciate it so, so very much. And I've got to thank Ted and the folks over at ACS Home and Work for sponsoring this podcast and inspiring me to keep printing on tea towel fabric or the flower sack tea towels. I love printing on this fabric. And I'm excited because I'm making some new prints. I've been carving up a storm and having a great time. And I'm excited to be unveiling some of those new things now. So if you head over to acshomeandwork.com, you can show a little love to the people who keep this podcast going and tell them Jennifer sent you. All right, folks. So this is our cue to go pour the tea and settle in for a conversation with the talented and lovely Erin Paisley. 
if you were going to describe Aaron Paisley, the small business, to someone who is not familiar, someone who's not one of your Instagram followers, someone who doesn't maybe, you know, they haven't come across your work yet, how would you describe your business? Lately, I've been working in ceramics and illustrative ceramics that tell a little bit of a story. I like to make functional pieces, but not all of them are necessarily everyday use functional. Mm-hmm. I also, when I'm not doing ceramics, I like to make little dolls, anthropomorphic animal dolls. And I, I'm obsessed with doll houses and um, I call it three-dimensional or sculptural illustration. And I like to make little sets for them and set them up in little poses to tell a story, give a little snapshot of a little bunny's life or something like that. And, um, and as a business, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what that means as a business. (laughs) These are just things that I do. I don't have that business part figured out quite yet. I'm also a painter and I've, I've done paintings as well to kind of backtrack for people because when they look at your website i think i know for me um i i would assume from the caliber of your work i would say okay this this woman has been to art school or she's she's done some serious sharpening of skills here is that the case no i didn't go to art school i'm self-taught i which I think um, is fantastic, I'm by just, the way. High five, sister. Thank you. Because it's beautiful work. <laughs> and very you. beautiful work. Thank you. I'm an obsessive creator, I guess. <laughs> I'm always I'm always making something. My hands are always busy. That's the key right there, what you just said. Because you can go to art school yeah. and do the assignments. And then, I mean, I you probably right. know a couple people, too, went to art school. They did the assignments. They got the degree. Yeah. They graduated. But one thing fell to the wayside, the making of the art. And Yeah, my and, husband went to art school. <laughs> and what does he do now? He's a software developer. <laughs> okay. Does he like the job? He has a degree. He does. He loves. He's com- It's completely changed. He loves it, and he's really good at it. He's really very passionate. I mean, like, he works when he's not working and oh, he that's, reads yeah, that's how you know coding like textbooks it. and stuff. Okay. <laughs> Which yeah. I could not imagine but doing, but that's great that he likes that. Yeah. I know. No, it looks like, it looks like, it doesn't even look like anything. It looks like lines and squiggles. It's right. It's, it's I can't wrap my, my mind around yeah. it. It really is. And, um, but he graduated from the Milwaukee Institute of Art and Design with a sculpture degree. And then my son was born. Our son was born. <laughs> You're going to let him um, own part of this. Yeah. A year after that. <laughs> and he was kind of like, oh, crap. Like, like, <laughs> Wait we a minute. Some, we got to make some money so, here. Yeah. <laughs> and I had planned on, too, like, I was in and out of school. Um, I'm really actually, like, my other passion is history. I love, as a kid and as a teenager, I used to read archaeology magazine. I was really, I just always have loved history. So when I first went to school, and I was um, I was kind of put out there 
on my own. I didn't really have any help and figuring it out. I was paying for it. My parents and I made a deal, like however much I saved up the summer before college, they would match that. And so that was kind of that first year paid for. And I was going for, and, um, but it just wasn't like it was at a community college and your first year isn't all the awesome nitty gritty stuff no, that you want to do, you know? And yeah. yeah. And math, you know, I oh, just, I know I didn't was... take my math class twice. <laughs> I know. Yeah, it so did I. <laughs> and I had to pay for it myself. And, oh, that was right. horrible. Yeah, me too. And I, and then, and then there came a point where it was, keep paying for school or pay my bills because I was out on my own pretty early on too. And I just, you know, school and, and I am an artist by compulsion. I'm, I can't not make art. So that was kind of speaking to me more. And when I'm not making art, I'm not very happy. So it really has, like I I always thought, Oh, I'll be in, yeah, I'll be an archaeologist and work in a museum and dust off bones all day for my job. And then I'll be an artist for my hobby. But it's completely the opposite. Now I make well, kind of, <laughs> they're both, they're both a little bit of a hobby. But um, history really is like my hobby, but it's my playtime. And I listen to history books while I'm making things. But what I really get deeply involved in is my artwork. But um, I dropped out and I, you know, paid the bills and I thought, well, once I'm married, it'll be easier. I'll get more financial aid and, and we can figure it out. But then our son was born and my priorities completely changed. And I really just wanted to um, be a mother and raise my children. Mm-hmm. So that's my schooling story that's how it, that didn't happen. <laughs> but having children, I've constantly just kept making work and I would make whatever I was able to make at the time with my son. I would, I was painting and drawing a lot, but that wasn't really working out so well. So I started embroidering my drawings because it was easier to just pick it up and put it down if I needed to. I didn't have to clean up all the paints and put everything away. Right, I you could, could leave it just, out. It wasn't going to dry up and hurt, yeah, so you couldn't use it anymore. Right, right. And what year was that? So exactly. how old is your son? Was, he's nine and a half. So this was like, so he was born in two thousand five. So two thousand six, two thousand seven, um, and then my daughter was born in two thousand eight, and that actually. <laughs> Um, she, I had a, an, an extremely traumatic birth with her. Oh, um, my. I had a V-back of vaginal after cesarean. Oh boy. And it was all, it was all natural, completely natural. And, um, but it was, I was in a lot of pain for a long time and it was, it was, it was traumatizing. And with that came major postpartum depression and you know it's one of those things where like I was looking at this baby I had she was and she wasn't answer to prayers I mean she was just wonderful and totally healthy and 
I couldn't ask for a bigger blessing, but she, I would look at her, I would look at this baby and I'd think, I am in this pain because of you. You gave me all this pain. And I knew in my heart that that's not, that that wasn't true, that it wasn't her, that that's not how I felt. So I would hold her all the time, all the time. I would just, because if I knew, you know, I knew that my mind, I knew that it it wasn't right. I knew that I loved her deeply and I would hold her as much as I could to feel it, (laughs) (laughs) to try to feel it. And even if I was incapable at the time, I knew that I would, you know, that that wasn't me and that wasn't our relationship and that I needed to go through the motions of having this because I, you know, wasn't emotionally available. Um, did you, were you able to get some help for that or did you kind of, I mean, how oh, did you, how yeah. did you cope for, with that? That I coped with, well, lots of ways. I started taking medication that helped. I still felt like, you know, you still have this, that brought back my joy. Like that took away the dead feeling, you right, know, of course, but yeah you're still just exhausted and you have a toddler and a newborn. And I remember Googling how to take a shower with a screaming toddler and newborn, Oh wow! <laughs> you know, cause I yeah. was so, you're just so overwhelming and, and toddlers don't always adjust very well to newborns. And it, you just don't know how to do the simplest things that are, really like when I look back at it it's so obvious you put the toddler in his crib or a playpen and you put her in a little bouncy and you take a shower it's not a big deal but it's like at the time you can't when you're in the thick of it it's like impossible to think logically at all but I would also you know I thought I have a little girl I feel like how was I when I was a little girl? What spoke to me? What did I love? What did, what inspired me? What made that sparkle shine in my eye? And so I started crocheting little dolls for her thinking, you know, just as like a way to try to connect myself with her and with, not that you can't do that for a little boy either, but it's just, I never had that problem with Eli. He was, you know, it's, I was trying to connect with her. So I was trying to find, I guess, like my inner child, my inner girlishness, which is funny now because she's seven years old and she's an extreme sporty tomboy and is (laughs) pretty much not interested in anything that I do, (laughs) but it was, she might come back to it. Well, you know, every once in a while too, she'll say, Hey, can I play with these? And and I'm just like, oh, <laughs> try not to make a big deal out of it, though, right? <laughs> right. You're like, like yeah, yeah, whatever. That's cool, go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> and how would you describe the dolls for people mm-hmm. that are imagining what these look like? Because you have a distinct style to your work. Well, I use a variety of uh, techniques. I crochet the head and the body, and then I add a lot of needle felting to add details like noses and mouths and the little white parts around the bunny eyes. And I use wire armatures to make the legs and I cover that in wool, whatever yarn I'm working in usually. So their arms and legs, so they're upright like people 
and they're like they are like a I think um Richard Scary kind of you know I think that would be the best way to describe how they are how they look in but in three-dimensional form I guess kind of but in my style but they have they wear clothes and they look like they could pack a picnic lunch and go swimming in a lake. For you, the bunnies were kind of these little creatures that helped you connect with your daughter and also kind of stitch your way through. Sounds like you were kind of working, working your way through a difficult time as a mom. And it was that like just kind of a nice thing to be able to create something and use that as an outlet. It was an immense relief. I felt like I was making something. I was using the thing that comes from deepest within me mm-hmm. of, you know, just keeping my hands busy all the time, a force of nature and, and doing it for her. And I knew that that was, you know, that was a huge act of love for me, if I, whether I could feel it or not at the time. And eventually I could. <laughs> and how long did it um, take? How and- long did that process? I mean, how long did well, you have to kind of work through that? I made a comment closer to when it happened when she was like three, maybe. And I said, you know, I don't, I feel bad because I don't really remember the first year of her life. I really just don't, I don't remember it. I don't remember what it was like to hold her as a newborn or any of those. I mean, I I have pictures that show me, but I wish I could, like with my son, I remember moments. So I said that, like, I, I made this comment when I was talking to a cousin how I was really out of it and I wasn't, I wasn't any good for a year. And she looked at me and she said, no, no, it wasn't a year. She said six months, maybe, but it wasn't a year. I could tell there was a big difference at six months. So I think that it took at least six months Mm -hmm. of the hard work, which is six, a baby changes a lot in six months, you know, and that's a really, a really important time. Um, but, you know, I, like I said, I never put her down. I always held her and um, so that she would always feel close to me so that I would feel. And I, so I guess I do remember that. But well, um, and that sounds like that is an ultimate act of love too to be struggling emotionally so much, but yet to hold her close like you were fighting for it the whole time, you know, I was, I really was. I really, really was. I felt like. I really was. And it was, it was hard. It's, it was, I feel so much for people who go through it and who don't know what to do um, because it's totally inexplicable. Like I am such a gushy, mushy, lovey-dovey person. (laughs) And to not be that way, especially when like during the most joyous occasion, this new baby is, bizarre it's doesn't it's not it's just there's no way to describe how wrong it feels and how it's just it's like a bad dream it's like it didn't really happen but it did um were you diagnosed straight away or did your doctor notice this or did you have to yeah she noticed yeah okay so she could tell she she could tell and I remember the day, too, I was like, no, I'm fine. I'm totally fine. And she's like, mm, I think maybe you should just try this. <laughs> Good for her, yeah. And, 
Yeah, so I did. I listened. I went home and I cried, and then I did, and it did. It started to work. I did the best I could, and when I could work on something, I made sure I was working on something for her, and just to get that feeling, that feeling back of joy. Yeah, well, that's really, that's really beautiful, though, that you were, it, it was all for her, you know? Thank you. Well, yeah, yeah thank you. And I, and I thank you for talking about this, too, because I think you still, even though, you know, it's 2015, I think when, you know, women have babies and they don't feel overwhelmed with joy when they're holding their baby, I think there's still mm-hmm. quite a bit, a big stigma. And I think women right. a lot of times don't feel uh, like they can maybe talk about it, you know, because if you see all these other right. people bouncing a baby on their hip you know, gushing about how cute everything seems or whatever. And we all, I mean, I didn't have mm-hmm. postpartum depression, but I know I was exhausted at times and that wears you down. But it's not it really does. its not really super popular to say, to talk about what's difficult about motherhood. Um, mm-hmm. And especially not when it's like when you when you find yourself in a, in a situation where you're really fighting for the joy part of it. And so I think it's wonderful for other women to hear you know, stories like yours where, you talk about, you know, going through that and then, you know, how you can, um, you know, what you did to, to help yourself. And sometimes moms are so focused on doing things for their kids that they, you know, we don't always, you know, do everything we can for ourselves to just help ourselves be healthy and, and are in our best mm-hmm. state of mind to help our own children. So, um, you know, thank you for sharing your right. story. Oh, my pleasure. I'm all about sharing, all about sharing all the nitty gritty because there are so many times when I couldn't find any information on it and I couldn't, like, I didn't have anybody that I could relate to. And it wasn't even until, again, I was talking to another cousin years later, years later, where I mentioned kind of, and I felt really guilty about it the entire time. Like, I couldn't remember the first year of Ruja's life and they said oh we can't remember the first year of our second life either I mean yes with the first no with the second and then yes again with the third and I thought oh well it's not just me being a horrible person <laughs> or a bad <laughs> right. mom it's it's kind right. of a common phenomenon <laughs> yeah well yeah and that's something too that sometimes we just think that we're the only one that's having this issue. And so when you do right. talk about things, so that, so that is good. I think that that's one way that you go yeah. through something difficult. When you talk about it, you end up being in a position to help other people. And that makes it seem like, yeah. okay, it was worth um, all that struggle to just be able to be like, okay, I can now be a support system for somebody else. And it's the entire story is the beginning of, me creating this little world that I like to retreat to. Yeah, so tell me <laughs> Even about though this my little kids world. don't really care. <laughs> That's okay. They led you there. They led uh, you to that world. And so what is They this, will, they do. What is this uh fantastic world that Aaron Paisley has created? What what is this all about? What does it look like? Oh, it looks like a deep forest of any place you've ever wanted to be. <laughs> it's just <laughs> beautiful. Beautiful little pretty things <laughs> everywhere. I don't know. I'm still working on it. It's there. It's in my head all well, the that's time. That's good. So it's kind of in little bits of it seem to come out in your work because if people click over um, on your your shop the shop link, 
it's there's a lot of when you first you know we've talked about the crochet and the kind of like the fiber art that you've done the little bunnies mm-hmm. and the thing that i see uh, there's a lot of necklaces on here that are beautiful and they have the um ceramic uh beads which are really cool and um, oh thank you yeah and they're just really cool because they're all one of a kind uh configurations they on these are. these um these necklaces and there's also little looks like little dishes are those bowls um let's see um the, yeah dish, some are dishes dish. some are bowls yeah they're little they're kind of really shallow bowls okay so kind of like you put bowls. rings or like little, <laughs> little yeah bits and bobs in yeah. oh, but not necessarily baby eat, food okay baby but maybe not eat like right. a giant bowl of cheerios for a big person um, no <laughs> and don't let your baby use it no it'll be <laughs> dropped off the throw tray. it on the floor and oh man that would be bad then you'd have to make mosaics it yeah. would be <laughs> and they would be very pretty mosaics i have to say so are you going to make a mosaic i just that... hope that nobody yeah you don't want people yeah i'd one. love to like no. with the, the one no. that, the stuff that broke are you going to make a mosaic out of that I'd like to. I've always wanted to try mosaic. I want to try everything. I want to learn how to do everything. And that's my problem. And that's why I need to purge. And that's why I go between ceramics and bunnies and all these other things. And yeah, I have the same problem. You don't want to save every single thing. But if something's really speaking to you as being super gorgeous that you have to weave it, go ahead and keep it. But my problem is I have trouble being rational about that decision process. Um. Yeah, me too. <laughs> well, and the thing is too, like I was very much raised. I, we lived, it was a multi-generational home. I lived with my grandpa and, you know, my, my parents divorced when I was really young, but my mother remarried also when I was really young. So um, my stepdad and my mom and I lived um and then my brother and sister who came along when I was older, lived with my grandpa. They bought his, his house, which was my mom's childhood home. And, you know, when my dad had me for the weekend too often, he had to work. And so I would stay with my, my aunt or my grandma. And she would tell me stories about growing up in the Depression. And my grandpa just lived like, you know, we, we didn't throw away anything. We reused everything. If we wanted to make something, we made it out of whatever was laying around. I Mm -hmm. mean, there, and he was, and he was an amazing artist and he never would call himself an artist, but he could make anything. He could fix anything. And he made my grandma, um, this beautiful, uh, village to put under the Christmas tree. And he made he made a Christmas tree stand that is a perfect star. He made it out of wood. He wired it and everything so you can screw in the old-fashioned big bulb, colorful light bulbs. Oh, wow. And, yeah, and he um, he would just make – and he told me, too, that was another thing. So I really grew up with this can-do attitude because I would I would go to him and I'd say, can you draw me? The, no, you draw it yourself. You can do it. Anybody else? You have the same two hands as anybody else. If they can do it, you can too. So that's like what it was ingrained in me. And my mother later, I just had a conversation with her, and she said that we're she's a quilter and she's an amazing quilter. And the things that she does, just I can't wrap my mind around it. I mean, I'm really in awe of quilters, but she's done a lot of things too. She used to cross stitch a lot when I was little. She sews. She made my wedding dress. She wow. sewed my clothes when I was little. She um she's a seamstress of the family and she's 
all she's always made things and that's always been a huge inspiration too. Um, but she said, we were talking about her quilting and how I just couldn't wrap my mind around it. And she said, well, grandpa always said, if you see it, you can make it. You have the same two hands as anybody else. And if they did it, you can too. So we were just really, that's been ingrained in us. And I'm trying to, I mean, my kids are already pretty good at that. Um, knowing that too, but yeah. And empower them to make things. Yeah. It's, that's been a big theme in my life. I feel like if I can think it, I can make it. People are listening and they want to, you know, hire you to do some kind of design or painting or whatever. Are you taking commission work like that? Are are you, um, or are you kind of focused on creating your own characters right now? Uh, what, what kind of work are you looking for? I'm always up for a challenge. I guess it depends. It would really, it really depends. I was just thinking that today though. I thought, you know, it would be really fun to make a little, I was telling a friend, I told a friend too, it would be so much fun um, because she designs clothes to have her design a, an outfit for her daughter. And then I would recreate it for a bunny. Like it would, oh, be, would, it would be, be a lot cute. of fun. Yeah. So, wouldn't that be cute? That would be really cute. But yeah, I don't know. But the thing is too, is even going back to talking, trying to explain yourself to family or, you know, extended family. I'm really lucky. I have a really, really supportive extended family, even who is, they're always so excited about what I do. But when I do find myself in those situations where the best answer is just kind of like, well, I'm, I'm, I'm really focusing on being a homemaker right now, (laughs) you know, and then nobody questions you. Yeah, exactly. They're like, oh, that's nice. (laughs) Right. And then they're not asking you like, but then what are you going to do with the bunny? After you make the bunny, what happens with the bunny? You're just like, yeah, I'm just trying to take care of my kids. And then people are like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just, and and it really like, that is my first priority right now is to get them through the summer to keep everybody fed and healthy. And, (laughs) and I do, I, I do have time to work, but you know, I don't know. I'm, I'm open to all kinds of things. I really enjoy, I just like making things. I just like making pretty little things. Um, I'm working right now, I am working on a really big, you know, this wedding bunny couple set is how big is going to be huge. Well, they're like um, seven or eight inches tall, and I'm recreating their wedding outfit. Oh, my goodness. And it's going to be great. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, I really, I'm, I'm really excited about it. Like, it's going to... Is this a secret or is this something that they know about? No, they know. They know. Yeah, they know. I'm, I'm really excited about it. Um, her dress is beautiful. It's from anthropology and it's just the most beautiful thing I've ever seen <laughs> in my entire life. And it's this lace dress that, you know, that was, um, is over a white kind of a slip dress and it's um so I'm painting the design on this sheer fabric and it's going to be I'm going to be really proud of it when I'm done I'm going to take lots of pictures (laughs) that's awesome now are these going to be cake toppers or is this just um special just uh just for them you know I said yeah I said oh it's got to be a I said at first originally cake topper, but I don't know that it's actually going to fit on 
any kind of a cake, it'll probably be too right. heavy. Right, and it so would maybe... be bad to like have it either sink into the cake or <laughs> fall over on the cake after you put right. all this effort into it, and you'd be like crying. All the frosting is yeah, yeah you know, getting into the wool and yeah, yeah. Um, that was yeah. No, maybe having it separate would be best. Yes, right, like a a for the card box or something. I don't know, or next to the cake, or just by the the signing album the yeah well i'm sure the people, they'll be the greetings by that because that's going to be really fun yeah you know but i don't know when i'm done with this one i don't know that i'll ever want to do another wedding one like this again <laughs> because <laughs> it sounds like it's going to be really involved it is it's really involved i mean and i have to keep telling myself well it's not like i'm working on it eight hours a day at a time because right my kids and you know but it is it's a lot it's a lot and <laughs> I love it yeah no, but I it's hear... taking every ounce of my skill that I have and doing and redoing and it's going to be it's going to be my best thing it's going to be one of those things where I'm like oh, I may as well just throw in the towel and give up now <laughs> and then you'll keep going because that's what you do oh and there'll be something yeah, else exactly. amazing right after that so well yeah. I'm not worried. That. <laughs> I'm not worried about it. No, I've been watching the progression for a long time, so I know that good things follow. <laughs> I'm not worried. There'll be something else. But well, I know because Thank because you. I'm a night owl and you're not. I know it's like eight forty your time, nine forty my time. I'm just getting started over here, and I have to go back to my basement yeah. <laughs> and get more crap out of my basement. And you're like, geez, how many levels is your basement? Um, <laughs> But, but oh. I, I will be, um, yeah, I'll get back to that. I don't know if there's anything else that we didn't talk about or I didn't well, you ask you see. that you want people to, to know. Oh, no, I work in a really scary basement. It is a really, really scary basement <laughs> when I work on my ceramic stuff. Why is it's it scary? Gross. Like, like It's an old, it's an old house. So it's oh. just like an old, moldy, wet concrete dark very spider webby is that your basement or the basement where you work on is it someone else's we no it's it's my base we rent but okay okay my but that's your basement yeah basement of our yeah our flat um so yeah but you just you have to make your own light sometimes (laughs) yeah well the thing is my basement i've made it scary it's actually it's actually it's becoming less scary because when it's a disaster, like when I moved in, it looked it looked pretty nice, and it was a finished basement. The people before us finished this basement, and um, oh, that's nice. What I did to make it scary is I put a bunch of scary piles around, and um, oh, I have that too. You know, yeah, and I oh, just yeah, like well, I mean, there'd be like companies coming over, so you like scrape everything off the table and like put it into a box and the box mm-hmm. would get thrown downstairs. So I found Both. like like, yeah. I, like my daughter's like Steve Jobs report that she wrote like two years ago. It was a draft of her and she started like it said on the one page, like all the pages weren't even there and it just said, uh, Steve Jobs was not crabby. <laughs> and it goes on <laughs> to explain how he according to my you know, at the time, you know, a third grader, she's in she's going into sixth grade now. So she's, um, I don't know wow. how she had this wisdom about whether or not Steve Jobs was crabby because that's kind of a hard thing to figure out from looking at Wikipedia and uh, 
you know, um, his biography website and some (laughs) other things. But she was savvy enough to to realize that people would sometimes talk about his demeanor. And she Mm -hmm. decided that because he was living each day as if it was his last in the later part of his life, that there's no way he could possibly be crabby. And I thought it was rather amusing, her, her interpretation of this, the things she'd read on the internet. And I took a picture of of that page before I recycled it. <laughs> so I'm just, you know. That's a really sweet. Yeah. yeah. That's a really sweet momentum. I We have tons. Everybody has boxes like that. That's exactly how we clean for company, too. <laughs> oh, yeah. I think a lot and of people do. And then we go do. through the piles. Yeah. And yeah. then you realize you go in your piles. basement and you have, like, 20 boxes. And you're like, whoa. This I has know. really gotten out of hand. I know. We're going through that right now, too. Yeah. It's it's stifling. It's, it's suffocating. But... Well, especially when it's something your child made. You You have a hard time. I know I do. I have a hard time like just throwing out the writing sample or the the art. So some of it I'm keeping. Uh, the Steve Jobs right. thing, I just took a photo because I'm like, okay, that's enough. You know, I don't need the actual paper because then I won't be able right. to find the paper again. You know, it'll get lost again. I did, yeah. I did that too recently. Actually, um, my daughter Ruja was really mad. She got mad at us, and she decided that she was going to run away. And so she drew a picture of herself looking very angry with a tongue sticking out. And she wrote her brother's name on either side of her head to <laughs> kind of tell us it was his fault oh, and that she was leaving. <laughs> I, found, I, found, was, I found two notes like that, only it wasn't a runaway note. There was one that was an apology for apparently oh. apparently one of my, one of my kids had apparently shouted and shoved the back of my chair apparently i don't even remember this because i'm thinking i would have remembered mm-hmm. if someone shoved my chair but um maybe it was just it was very hard to um determine what was actually the apology was for because the handwriting was so bad and the spelling was so terrible <laughs> so this was a very old one and i couldn't tell i'm like what did she do um so i took a picture of that one and then there was another one that was i yeah. apparently it was one a picture of me and apparently i had said something i had said a swear word <laughs> Oh, and Abby, the oldest, made a, she made a drawing, <laughs> and I have my tongue out and two X's for eyes, so I look like a, oh a zombie gosh. mother, and I, there's a speech <laughs> balloon, and she's misspelled <laughs> the swear word that I said, and it wasn't the worst one, I won't, because I don't want to have to bleep out oh. my own show, it wasn't, there's certainly, yeah. I don't drop F-bombs ever, and especially no. not in front of my children, yes. but there's other words that I say with frequency and I am ashamed of this but I can't seem to change my ways and so she drew this picture and I just thought to myself oh my goodness these kids are really going to think back and look at their you know their trucker mother (laughs) (laughs) no they're not (laughs) who like has this this terrible terrible language that's funny but oh man yeah and no I'm really proud of myself for not for not saying those things in front of my children either but they're every once in a while you slip with a minor a lesser yeah it's still bad but you know yeah and it's uh but they they please me so i haven't had to tell them to not say something like mom and then i'm like oh man right and you just feel so oh yeah they know they're good yeah so anyway i'm glad my kids are keeping me in line who knows what would happen if they weren't i just (laughs) and you just i know (laughs) That's what I always tell people. I'm like, they're kind of like my spirit guide. <laughs> they always. 
<laughs> That's true, though. It's like the spirit guides you can actually see. Yeah, I went to yeah. uh, and this is kind of this. This is taking it to a whole new level of weird, too. I, I my sister before her, she got married. My middle sister, she decided that she was going to have a psychic come to my mom's house, and I don't, I don't believe in that stuff. And I, I hope I'm not offending mm-hmm. people who do, but I really don't believe in that because I think they ask no. you questions and then you volunteer right. information and then they tell you like, oh. You know, you must really be into like jewelry, and you're wearing like tons of jewelry. <laughs> it's like stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. Well, they at one point they made reference to the spirit guides and all this kind of stuff, and I'm like, and it's so funny because yeah, my kids are like the manifestation of like real spirit guides, like that I can yeah. see because I'll be like, yeah, I, I think I might, you know, get a Vespa, and my kids are like, no, you could die. <laughs> you know, yeah. And I'm just like, yeah, these they become like these little. I don't know. I, I just think because yeah. I'm, I'm pushing 40, I'm starting to maybe think irrationally about some of my, you know, for me, some people go out and do some really wild stuff. I just walk through a Vespa dealership and decide I'm not going to take the $200 class to get certified on a motorcycle to test drive a Vespa and decide that it's too expensive oh my and too big and probably not the best way to drive around two children. <laughs> I mean, there's no way. No, I drove in a minivan. They didn't even ask me my name. They knew I wouldn't be back. Um, because, I mean, I pull in in a minivan <laughs> with two kids. And, I mean, how right. likely am I going to buy a Vespa? Plus, I said, do you have one in turquoise? And they're like, no, we can't even get those anymore. And I'm like, what? You can't even, like, if I ordered one, you couldn't what? get it? Yeah, that's what they said. They're like, no, we can't get it. And I'm just like, either you're not a very good salesperson. I mean, in my head, I'm saying either you're not a very good salesperson or – the universe or is trying, lying. or the universe is trying to tell me something. Like, don't get a Vespa. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> if it's not turquoise, you I'm think really that that was interested. like one of the most popular colors? Still. Well, she said it was the most popular color. She also though told me that she she worries about dying every time she gets on her motorcycle. And I just thought, you know, if you're selling Vespas and motorcycles, that's probably not a great conversation to have with the person. No. So I was like, yeah, maybe no. she's just starting out, and she's not that good at this yet sold sticking yeah. with the minivan yeah. yeah i'm just like i'm going back to my high-rated minivan with 11 airbags yeah, yeah. <laughs> but i do oh have a picture gosh. of myself on a vespa now because i sat on it you yeah know, i'm not i'm not class. adventurous yeah I'm the not most either. adventurous thing i've been doing is making my own mayonnaise with raw eggs oh that is but that is I a little dangerous it. is that it does it taste okay and you're feeling good it is. I I always I test it on myself, and if I wake up the next morning still alive, then I'll feed <laughs> it to my family. <laughs> what is the shelf life of that mayonnaise? How long do you get to keep it around? Oh, it doesn't make that much. Oh, so it's um, like just like single serving, like make some sandwiches and. Well, it yeah, it makes. I think it makes enough for like a week, okay. and they say that because of the pH levels in it. I don't know. I don't. I don't know. But I'll that it's not really it. like bacteria won't grow into it unless it's you know Lacto it's not like a something. I I could be totally wrong though but I mean they say that it can last like ten days okay or longer and but if it's good like you ten use days it up is like that. the oh I yeah always always and is it because better, then I'll make my own dressing so it's better to like than Hillman's and Miracle Whip and all that yes I have always. I'm like Miracle Whip is my arch nemesis ever since I was a child. I would be so excited about getting a tuna sandwich. And then if it was made with Miracle Whip, oh, it's the worst thing in the world. Really? <laughs> it was, 
Oh, it's so horrible. It's just <laughs> tragic. <laughs> well, I would be devastated. It got to the point. Go ahead. Oh, I would ask at, when I was a kid, I'd, I'd be at restaurants and I'd be like, is it mayonnaise or Miracle Whip on this BLT? <laughs> <laughs> and he'd be like, I don't know. And I say, could you check? <laughs> yeah, because the thing is, some people don't care. And like for me, like I was raised no. with Jif peanut butter, and I had oh, I really yeah. wanted to have Jif peanut butter. So if I got some other kind of sandpapery tasting peanut butter that had like you know chunkiness going on with it or crunchiness, right. I didn't want that. I wanted smooth Jif peanut butter. And I'm yeah. a little more, my taste is a little more refined now where I'm able to deal with other kinds of things. But sometimes, you know, you just don't want any other brand. You don't want any other taste. You just want right. what you're used to. And if it doesn't taste like that, especially when you're a kid and you go to somebody's house yeah. and someone's grandma gives you like a sandwich and it's not like strawberry jam, it's some other kind of weird combination jam. And you're just like, yeah, this is not my peanut butter and jelly. It just doesn't work. Right. And then you're eating no. it and you're trying to smile, but you feel like you're going to vomit. <laughs> yeah. It's just so bad. Well, and that's the thing too. Like I remember buying, okay, so I didn't want to get mayonnaise with made with soybean oil anymore. So I bought the Spectrum Organic or, you know, some kind of, it was like canola mayo. Right. And... I brought it home and it was really expensive. Actually, I got well, it on sale, but even still, worse, even the though. sale price was like really expensive. I know. And then it tasted like Miracle Whip. And I looked at the ingredients. I was so Did mad. Did it say Miracle Whip? I was in so there? mad. I felt no. Oh, I was going to say was that's honey. an atrocity if they put Miracle Whip into it. Yeah, another. there was like sugar in it. So if you make your own mayonnaise, like I use, um, I use avocado oil or olive oil. And I used to be like, Hellman's girl 100% all the way but my tastes have just changed and I've gotten used to it and I kind of find that like as long as you don't add anything sweet and you add enough salt it's fine like I actually really I prefer my homemade mayonnaise now because it's um I know it's in it um but yeah I've just miracle whip no thank you well, whose recipe <laughs> unless is I'm making is this your own recipe? It's, um, no, it's not. It's a recipe that I love so much. I actually put it on my, on, on my internet bar. Okay. It's, um, on your blog? Foolproof. No, on just on my, um, Chrome. Oh, I see. Oh, okay. So you can find it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Right. It's, um, it's from the healthy foodie and it's fail proof homemade paleo mayo. And it's, the easiest thing because you make it in a jar with an immersion blender and mine broke. I've only like, I've made lot, I've made lots of jars and it really has been foolproof. It broke once. And I don't know why I think it was like, I was also having refrigerator problems at the same time. So I think maybe there's something weird with the egg, but um, I haven't had any problem. Like it's really super easy. And if, you know, you feel bad about, eating raw eggs they may they sell pasteurized eggs that you can buy but but like I said I tested on myself first if I'm just using you know eggs from the co-op or something I'll test it on myself first and then and then feed it to my family because I'm still kind of a worry wart. Well, <laughs> I'm it's still good a little to bit be, paranoid yeah it's good to be aware you know because sometimes yeah 
you know. You just never know. I mean, and I think, you know, hopefully my system can can handle mild case of salmonella when it comes to that. <laughs> well, you know, you kinda, you're building up a tolerance probably, you know. You're kind of just make it yeah, toughening up your family. All right. So this is Jennifer jumping in. Aaron and I had a really, really long conversation, and we kind of condensed things so you folks could listen to this in one sitting without needing a bathroom break. <laughs> so after we talked about mayonnaise, we segued into a lot of things and eventually found ourselves talking about cluttered up studio spaces and houses and abundant craft supplies and how kind of problematic that can be. So we're going to rejoin the conversation with Aaron talking about this whole concept of purging out unnecessary and unwanted items. But it's hard to even make priorities when you have so much stuff around you and you don't really have any space or any room and you just, you like, you really do. Like, I think, I think purging is a big priority and making like just simplifying, simplifying your life. Because once you do that, then you're more free to just go ahead and, and be more productive. I like, that's my big thing right now. I keep thinking, Oh, I spent so much money on this fabric or I've spent so much money on these supplies. I'd really like to get some back and have a rummage, but that's a lot of work and it's very little payoff and, and too bad, so sad money. for me. Yeah. And if you don't make right. any money like, off of it, like if no one wants it, then you feel even worse that you exactly. bought it. And craft stuff does not really sell at rummage sales. So it's just like, I'd rather, there's a thrift store down the street from me where everything in the store is 50% off on the weekends and they don't mark their stuff. Like everything is already cheap to begin with. And I really, like, I just feel like I'm at the point where I need to give it away and that will be worth more than the few bucks I make after like pricing and spending all hours and hours of, well, you know, first going thing, through it and organizing it and whatever. First thing I want to do when I get everything cleared up is I'm going to lay down on the floor and I'm going to do like an invisible snow angel. And that's what I'm going to do <laughs> on the floor <laughs> of my studio. And I will probably put that on Instagram is no matter how ridiculous it looks, because seriously, Perfect. like just to be able to see carpet, is really yeah. pretty awesome. And yeah, I mean, we just, you know, got into a habit of like 10 years of clearing off the table, throwing stuff yeah. in the basement. And, um, oh, yeah. You know, you just oh, put it in the basement. Just yeah. put it in the basement. Like, oh, here come people, put it in the basement. And um, it, throw it's, it in the basement, put yeah. it in a box, throw it in the basement, just get out of the way. Yeah. yeah. And then, or like a little, a little shopping bag. And then you're opening these bags mm-hmm. and you're just like, why didn't I just throw this away? At the time, it seemed right. like a good idea to keep it. But now I'm just like, this is insane. So, so yeah. yeah, I hope that um, this time, because the thing is, I've talked on this podcast many times about cleaning stuff and, and I do, I make these little attempts. I've never done like the days of staying up late at night when my family's sleeping. Like once I get a lot of it out of here, I think what I'm going to do is like every couple months or so, just go through, like pick an area and be like, okay, I still haven't used this. I'm going to give this away because right. I want to kind of continue to kind of pare down what I have and just oh, definitely and, just live simply and be more aware of what you bring into the house yes. or what you spend your money on yes. because it's hard work to earn that money. You it know, sure and is. yes. And like, if, I just started realizing like, wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> 
Yeah, what especially is if going you're making for? things that you're not moving out quickly. Like sometimes people right. are buying high volume stuff because they're turning it out, you know, their turnover is quick. You know, they're making something and selling it and they got to keep replenishing. That's one right. thing. But if you're just like, hey, I want to have like a thousand uh, skeins of yarn so I can pick any color I want when I make an afghan. Um, yeah, that's probably not real practical unless you no. have unlimited resources and unlimited space. But right. even if I did, I don't think I want all this stuff. Like, well, I know I don't. I, I don't. No, I don't it's want stifling it because then you have too many choices. And that's one of the things that I learned too through taking the class, the um, online course with Lula Rogers is there was a couple assignments where we had very limited color palettes and forcing yourself to work with less can be really liberating in a big way. It can really, it can really um, free you to do things that you would have been afraid to do before maybe, or something that would have been holding you back or taking risks that you normally wouldn't have taken because it's not usually in your style or, you know, the colors aren't always, they're not the colors that you uh, move towards. But, right. um, and th I think like one of the big things too is like with people who have a lot of stuff or keep a lot of stuff, and especially if it's craft stuff that costs money and you paid money for it, you're like, well, what if I never have money to get this again? Or what if, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to spend the money to buy this if I need it again. But I just try to tell myself now um, that I can, anything that I need to make, I'm, I can make with whatever I have available, like, which is what people have been doing for centuries. <laughs> so it's okay. It's going to be okay. I don't need that schnazzy tool. Like I'll figure it out. It's all right. You know, or I don't need this material right now. If I really, you know, I do a lot of things like especially test furniture and for patterns with um, Lego box cardboard is the best. And my son is really into Legos, really, really into Legos. And I'm sure we won't have a shortage of those boxes if I need them. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so um, but that's just like one example. And then there's so much more you can do with it. You can. I mean, you can paper mache over that. There's just like, it really, if you have limited materials, it really forces you to think outside the box because, you know, I don't know. I, it's, um, it can be freeing to not have a lot and to just use what you have because then you're also, you're not collecting stuff and you're not collecting this garbage that you're kind of afraid to throw away because what if this was, you used a weird shaped piece for this piece. So what if you need this little weird shaped piece that you cut out that, you know, I, I like, that's how I think. Yeah. And it and becomes it gets crazy. Cause cycling. I, yeah, I keep, yeah. uh, you know, pulling things out of the trash. I'm, I'm like, Oh, but you know what? I could make something out of that. But I'm like, you know what? I probably won't. Right. Cause otherwise it wouldn't be on the but floor of my studio Yeah, for like, no, a year. it needs to go. And I think tonight I just have to be even more, cause I've been doing a lot of hesitant, like piece by piece of like little scraps of yarn and fabric. Oh no. You and have I have to, be to just aggressive. be like, you know what? It's gone. It's out yeah. of here. And, yeah. um, and not feel yeah. bad. Cause I'm a recycler. So I'm always like, right. Oh, I don't want to put stuff in a landfill. And this is Oh, too me small. too. So I like, know. Well, but you kind of have that's to, like, you know, you, you do, but you know, 
with fabric straps and yarn scraps, you can put them in the trees and the birds will collect them and put them in their nests or the animals will collect them and, you know, make little nests yeah, with them. Yeah, maybe I'll put them out in the garden. Um, and I know that because the squirrels ate the cushions from our chairs, <laughs> our outdoor chairs. <laughs> Did they die right after that? No, they took them and they like stuffed them for you know in the places in our roof. Oh, they took <laughs> their oh my nest. gosh, they took them and they bit a piece. Yeah, of, no, oh, they like they okay. they tore open the oh stuff gosh. and they used it for their for their nest. And when oh I was a kid, gosh. the birds, like, even, that's pretty... they took apart my basketball hoop and they used that for their nest and their nest. Wow. So, and, and either way, I mean, like even, so I've been put, putting wool in our pine trees on the side, which I think I try to hide it so that the neighbors don't get so like, why is she putting garbage out there? But I put <laughs> She's like putting garbage in the trees. And, yeah. Because yeah. it does seem really sketchy, but if you don't know what's going but the on. the birds, I know the birds take it. They'll take the little scraps of wool or the little scraps of fabric, or if you hang it up in a laundry bag, keep it coming. Yeah, yeah, that's they will take it and they'll use it for their nest. So, and even like it's it's compostable. So do that. It's fabric. It's cotton or wool. So, so I'll have a picture of my garden, and it'll just be like I used to put down like straw to like keep the keep the um, weeds from coming up. I'm just gonna have fabric. Yes. Yeah, there you go. See, <laughs> it's great mulch. Be like, no offense to you designers out there, but your fabric print makes great mulch. I didn't want to dress oh, up after all. My tomatoes were amazing my this year. My tomatoes yeah. were very well dressed. <laughs> yes, my word. Well, Perfect. this has been really fun. Probably too much fun because I am, you know, I can talk for days. <laughs> thank you so much, and you have a great night. You too. Thank you. Well, that was really fun. I had a great time. Our conversation was so much longer than this, folks. Seriously, we had a really long conversation. And I just kind of wish that Erin and I were neighbors because I would invite her over to weave with me and I'd show her how to do some printmaking. And, you know, maybe we could make ceramics together and and mayonnaise that, you know, we could test on ourselves before serving to our family. That's the great thing about being a podcaster is that I get to talk to some really fun and cool people. Before I forget, I want to let you know that I'm going to be posting a Q&A with Aaron over at craftsanity.com. Again, this is another thing that we didn't plan out really ahead of time. Just kind of spontaneous, spontaneous things are happening that are fun, folks. So head over there to read a little more about Aaron and her process and things that inspire her. And I hope you enjoy that too. Thanks to my Patreon sponsors and acshomeandwork.com for sponsoring the show. ACS is my longest sponsor ever, and I am really grateful to have them because not only are they local, Michigan-based, they are also pretty cool over there, and I really like the products that they put out into the world. So if you're looking to do any kind of embroidery or printmaking or just adorn your house with soft towels that are a lot of fun, and there's other home goods as well, Go check out ACS Home and Work and let them know that Jennifer sent you and show a little love to the folks that help me keep this podcast going. So thank you so much for tuning in. I will be back soon with another episode of the podcast. In the meantime, Craft Sanity, my friends, it works for me. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Craft Sanity podcast. To support the show, click the Patreon link at craftsanity.com to donate $1 a month or buy a handmade loom or magazine at craftsandy.etsy.com. Same time next week.